Hello, church. Uh, my name is Ethan Renault. For those of you who don't know me, um, I am connected to your church because I was the speaker at last year's camp. Um, it was such a great time. I loved uh, getting to spend a week with uh, the youth at your church. It was so much fun. One of the highlights of my entire year last year. And um, so Pastor Gary asked me to put together two messages for you for this week and for next week. So I was thinking a lot about what I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> and um, so uh, a little bit about me. I lead a Bible study here in Colorado in the United States where I live. And this Bible study is fun because it's for a nursing home. So it's for people who are like 80, 90 years old. Um, so it's a complete opposite side of the spectrum than the people I was talking to last summer at the camp. So it's fun getting to kind of look at the Bible from these different perspectives. Last year I was teaching to youth and how youth would understand the Bible, how they can apply it to their lives and so on. And now I'm kind of doing the opposite, people who are at the other end of their lives and um, looking at the Bible for, for people who don't have quite as many years left in their lives, um, people who have been through a lot and understand a lot. So anyway, in that Bible study, we've been going through the book of Mark. And uh, for me, going through this book so slowly um, and carefully and looking at it kind of with fresh eyes myself has given me uh, a very different perspective on Jesus and who he is. And I encourage everybody we should all, as Christians, be reading our Bible regularly, um, but especially to go through the Gospels and get to know Jesus and see how he interacts with people and the authority that he communicates with and the gentleness he shows some people and then the sternness he shows other people who um, need to repent. <laughs> and ironically, they're not the ones who you would think. Usually it's the more religious people, the people who are better religious people are the ones that Jesus is usually the hardest on. And um, yeah, going through Mark super slowly has been incredibly rewarding for me. So what I wanted to do is pull two of my favorite stories out of Mark, um, two of the ones that kind of have hit me the hardest as I've been going through it, and share them with you. And they're kind of connected. So this first, this first week, we're going to look at Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. And um, some of you are probably familiar with it. It's the parable of the soils or the seeds. Um, we're going to read it in just a second. Um, and then next week, we're going to answer the question that Jesus kind of poses, which is, who is the good kind of soil? Which is the type of seed Jesus is looking for? And it's definitely not at all who you would expect it to be, um, which is what I love about it. Uh, Jesus is always choosing the ones who we don't expect. The people who we're like, wait a minute, him? Like, Jesus, you want him? Are you sure? I don't know about that. So you have to wait till next week to find out who Jesus says is the best kind of soil. He doesn't say it. He shows it because he gives us this parable this week. And then the very next thing he does, the next person to enter into his kingdom, is not who you'd expect. If you want, you can read ahead and find out who it is. But uh, why don't we get started um, just by reading the scripture. Um, 
Before I do that, actually, why don't I pray for us and for me? Because um, teaching to a camera is different. I need the Holy Spirit to speak through me just as much as if I were there with you in person. So, um, yeah, Jesus, I thank you for this time. Thank you for the technology that makes this possible. This is fun. It's unique. It's a very interesting time of human history, and we're making the most of it. And I pray that even in the midst of this hardship, that you'd speak through me, um, open up our ears, our minds to receive your word from you, Jesus. And uh, we love you. We want to get to know you better and hear from you. So Jesus, reveal yourself to us through your word, through our understanding of it, deepen our understanding of it, deepen our knowledge of you through it, Jesus. Um, yeah, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to kind of have fun um, in this strange, unique way. And we love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Mark 4, 1 through 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what is sown. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, in this parable, um, this is one of the few parables that is actually easy kind of for us to interpret because Jesus gives the parable and then right afterward he explains exactly what it means to his disciples. So, it's not incredibly hard for us to understand, but there are a lot of things that we as 21st century Westerners might miss uh, because um, 
were not the original audience Jesus was speaking to. So first off, Jesus was speaking to agricultural farmers. Everybody back then, um, they didn't have the technology, they didn't have supermarkets, they don't have most of the things that we do. So most of the people hearing this were farmers. And they would have understood that, oh, this is how you do seeds, this is how you don't do seeds, this is how you plant, grow, harvest, and so on. And the thing that we might miss is that farmers, especially in this time, would not have just like taken their seeds and just scattered them and not really paid attention to where they fall, right? Because if you have a limited amount of seeds, that's going to be your food and your crop and your livelihood for the foreseeable future. So you're not just going to be like throwing them here and there and not really caring uh, where they land. You're not going to see, oh, there's a bunch of rocks. Let me just throw these seeds on the rocks and see if they grow. No, you're going to intentionally plant your seeds only in the good soil. You probably till it, um, break up the ground, you know, make these straight rows, make sure the seed is exactly where you want it and put it there so that not a single seed goes to waste. That's not what we see Jesus doing in this parable. If we assume that um, the farmer in this parable is God, God is pretty reckless with where he throws his seed, right? Um, God is throwing them on everybody just to see if they stick, just to see if it takes root um, in this person. Maybe this person will take it. Maybe this person will take it. And God is just kind of reckless with the seeds that he's thrown out. Now, the question is, what exactly does the seed represent in this story? Um, and that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, the soil, he kind of goes back and forth with the metaphor where sometimes he refers to the people as the soil. Other times the plant is the person. Um, so often in the Bible, soil is kind of a, a metaphor used for people, for, our, for us, um, for our minds, for our hearts. And how, we, how well we grow things how well we are at um, cultivating what God wants to grow in us is reflective of what kind of soil we are. And if we're growing good plants, then we are a good kind of soil. But if we're one of the ones who gets choked out by thorns, dries up along the rocks, gets eaten by birds, we weren't as good soil. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want to at least try and throw some seeds on us and try to grow on us where we're at. Now, a couple years ago, um, on Facebook, I got this message completely out of the blue, a message from a guy I hadn't talked to in a couple of years, um, but he, it popped up and it was this like multi-paragraph message on Facebook. You guys ever get those like random, like, who are you? I don't know you. Why are you talking to me? Um, this guy had sent me a long message and it was like, Ethan, Hey, do you know about gut health? I was like, gut health? Like, I hadn't heard of it at that point, so I was like, what, what, like, what do you mean? And he wrote out this long paragraph talking about the importance of gut health, um, multiplying the bacteria, the good kind of bacteria in your stomach so that your immune system is stronger, taking good care of it, blah, 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 um, buying the right supplements, eating the right kind of diet, all this stuff. Um, to promote healthy gut health. And he went on to talk about how he was always getting sick. He always had stomach pain, random issues going on in his stomach. 
And he could never figure out what it was until he started learning about gut health. And I was like, this is so random. Why is he telling me this? And looking back on it, um, and this is the interesting thing too, is often um, with something like that, they're trying to sell you something, right? Like, now all you need to do is buy this supplement and I'll get a 10% commission. You know, like they're trying to sell you something. This guy was not trying to sell me anything. He was purely trying to enlighten me to um, the, the, the benefits that he had received by improving his own gut health. So I was like, this is really interesting. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this is exactly how Christians should be. Um, this guy was just so stoked to be healthy, to figure out the root of his issues going on with his gut, that he was just telling everybody he could think of, hey, you need to be healthier in your gut. You need healthier gut health. You need, you know, he was evangelizing for this gut health. Because when something impacts your life so much, the first thing you want to do is tell everybody else. Not because you're trying to sell them something, just because you want them to experience the same great benefits you've just experienced from this thing. Whether it's a business thing, a health thing, uh, or in our case, we're talking about a knowing Jesus thing. You just The, the first thing that comes naturally to us is to tell other people about what we've experienced. And this is exactly what Jesus says that the good soil, the good seeds, and the good plants will do. Um, growing up, I would always read this parable and be like, okay, so you have the bad soils, you know, the birds, the thorns, and the rocks. Um, and then the good soil is just one that grows up and is strong and healthy. That's not at all what Jesus says that the good plants do. What is the sign that you have a good soil producing good crops? Is it that your plants are strong and healthy? No. The sign of a good crop or a good soil is that it multiplies, that it reproduces. Jesus says some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. That means if one seed goes out and falls in good soil, it should produce 30 more like it, or 60 more like it, or 100 more like it. You cannot be a good plant in Jesus's eyes. You cannot be a good Christian just because you read your Bible, go to church, pray regularly, and feel like a good believer. Like, I feel pretty strong. I feel like I'm a pretty good Christian. <clears throat> That's not the sign of a good Christian. What's the sign of a good Christian? What's the sign that you were good soil for this seed to fall? <clears throat> What's the sign that you were good soil for this seed to fall on? Is that you multiply. Without multiplication, the church doesn't grow, and essentially, there are no good seeds. So are you a good seed? Are you someone where the word can land take root, and then multiply. Now, obviously, if there's going to be multiplication coming from your life, you have to be a healthy plant yourself. It's not sick, dry, withered plants that reproduce well, obviously. It's the strong, healthy ones. So those are assumed. Those kinds of things are assumed that you are reading your Bible, you are praying, you are having healthy relationships with people around you and loving everybody else. 
and that you yourself are close to God. Because a sick and withering plant isn't going to multiply, but a healthy one is. So if you are a healthy plant, you, the, the natural outcome of that is you will multiply. And if you're multiplying, it implies that you are healthy yourself. Understand? Are we on the same page? Good. If you are a good soil, which Jesus wants us to be, you will be multiplying. Now, let's look briefly at the other kinds of soil Jesus talks about, the not-so-good kind of soil, um, because we all can probably think of people like this, and hopefully none of us are like these kinds of soil, but we still want to search ourselves, we still want to know ourselves, to, to watch out, and to know what to watch out for, to say, oh, am I, am I being counterproductive to the gospel of Christ, to the, the advancing of the kingdom? Um, by, by allowing these things to creep into my life. So obviously, um, the one that might be a little more, uh, maybe mystical, depending on your background is the Satan, the birds, the type of soil that the birds come and attack it before it can grow. And Jesus tells us this is Satan coming into our lives and preventing growth. And now we in the Western world sometimes are tempted to think, oh, that's just like ancient spirituality, mumbo jumbo type of thing. Um, Satan doesn't really act in our lives in that way anymore. And that would just be a false way to think. I can just tell you that right off the bat. Because in my own life, I have seen firsthand demonic activity affecting people's lives. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in Thailand, uh, my, my emissions team and I were out in the middle of nowhere in Chiang Rai. Chiang Rai or Chiang Mai. I can't remember which one it was. Um, we were out in the middle of nowhere, and there's rice fields, rice farmers, no running water, no electricity, no connection to the outside world. And this place was completely desolate. And anyway, the, the chief of this tribe comes to us and he says, there's a man in my village who's been sick for a very long time. I would like you and your team to come pray for him so he can be healed. So we're like, of of course, we'll come pray for him. So we go into this guy's hut and his name is Jato. And he's lying flat on his back on the ground of his hut. It's a bamboo hut and it's dark in there. It's smoky and he's lying on the ground And he has his hands in his arms like this. And he's kind of acting like a chicken, but lying flat on his back. So he's just kind of doing this. And he's babbling on and on and on. And he just wouldn't stop talking. And our translator tells us he's not speaking Thai. They actually didn't know what language he was speaking. It was some gibberish language. They didn't know what it was. And they tell us he's been like this for months. Jato hasn't eaten, slept, drank, talked coherently, gotten up from the ground in over a month. He's just been lying there doing that, and there's nothing they could do to help him. So, of course, we don't necessarily know what it is right away, so we start praying for him, and he keeps babbling away in this language, and we just keep praying in the name of Jesus, heal this guy. And then suddenly it all kind of clicked, like, oh, wait a minute, we're seeing a demon-possessed guy right in front of us. And we need to start praying against the demons in him in the name of Jesus. So we do. We start praying, Jesus, in the name, 
Jesus, in your name, send the demons out of this guy. Heal him. Make him whole. And demons, in the name of Jesus, get out. And we pray for about 10 minutes. And by the end of those 10 minutes, he had gone silent. And then he started lying flat on his back. He yelled, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And then he turned to our translator and he said, They're gone! They're gone! All the demons are gone! And he like sat up and he began telling us through our translator that um, for over a month he had been seeing demons with his eyes in the hut with him. And they had given him no peace. But he said now he has peace. And he wants to be with his wife. And he wants to eat some food and drink. And we were like, oh my gosh, this actually just happened. This wasn't just something from the Bible that happened in the ancient times. This is a real miracle that we just witnessed ourselves with our own eyes. So we were all blown away by Jesus, by God, the Holy Spirit, moving in this guy's life in a very powerful way right before our eyes. Um, Satan was trying to off-ramp his life and derail it and take it in a completely terrible direction where he would have been useless and destroyed and have nothing come of the rest of his life. Jesus comes into his life and says, no, you deserve to be coherent. I do not want you babbling in gibberish. I do not want you lying on your back acting like a chicken. So you're going to get back on track. And what's the first thing he did when the demons were gone? He praised God. He began saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he was praising God right before us. And this is a little sneak peek of next week. Um, but he just began worshiping right there on his back. Because when you're freed from something so intensely demonic, something working against you so much, the first thing you do is respond by shouting about what you've been freed from. So um, Satan is real. Demons are real. And they're actively working against us. In this parable, Jesus says that they're just going to come and they're just going to eat you up like a bird eats up a plant. So watch out for that. Don't, don't put yourself in situations where, where Satan has opportunity to move in. Um, a couple years ago, too, I was a youth pastor and some of my students began playing with a Ouija board, which is something that is kind of presented as being harmless and fun. But there's like spiritual things working to like communicate with you through this board that you open yourself up to. And I warned my students, I said, don't play with the Ouija board because you're basically just cracking the door open for, for demons and for Satan to come in and mess with your life in terrible, terrible ways. It may seem harmless and fun at first, but what you're opening the door to is completely destructive to you. It wants nothing good to happen in your life. So it kind of sneaks in through this seemingly harmless way. If we put ourselves in places, or in the parable, if we plant ourselves in places where we would be open up to where if we plant ourselves in places where we'd be open to that, then why would you be surprised when Satan comes in trying to destroy us? The next two um, are kind of similar in my opinion, in my understanding which is where the person receives the message of Jesus initially, and they're joyful about it, they're stoked about it, they're really excited to hear this message and become a Christian. But when the worries of life come in, when things 
uh, start going downhill, you get in a car accident, you lose a family member, and, and the worries of life surround you, you, you begin to wilt and to lose faith and to lose hope. Um, similarly, um, other people can receive it initially um, and get really excited about it, but then they get distracted by things the world offers us. Things like, um, hey, sex could be more appealing to you than God, or money, or wealth, or success, or fame, or really nice clothes, nice car, nice house. All these things can distract us from God, and so we turn away from Him and begin to grow toward those things as well. But then obviously, as Jesus points out, you end up withering up and dying pretty quickly. The best type of soil to be is one that's rich, where the roots go deep, where we deepen our relationship with God regularly, because we're not satisfied to just kind of sit on the surface of the soil. We're not satisfied to just be like, yeah, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, I kind of know the story. Um, Yeah, I read my Bible a couple times because we're constantly wanting to go deeper. And that's those roots digging deeper into the good soil where they get fed, they get nutrients and water. This is the type of soil Jesus wants us to be. And he reminds us of this when he quotes the Old Testament and he says, it's possible that you have ears. How many of you watching this right now have ears? Probably most of you, if not all of you. It's possible to have ears, but not hear. Do you have ears, but you're not hearing what Jesus is saying? You can hear the message. You can even agree with the message. But again, the way that you prove that you understand and that you have heard what Jesus has actually said is multiplying. You get so excited about it that you go tell other people. You tell other people. And the, the number of people who hear about Jesus, because of you, you're just one seed, but you can produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times more. Now, I want to tell you about two of my heroes. These two people are representative of the good seed or the good soil because they heard the message of God and it's like a light bulb went off in their head and they said, oh, I get it. This is what I need to do with my life. The first one is Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Now, you've probably heard of Mother Teresa. You may not be super familiar with her, but I want to tell you two quick stories about her um, that kind of uh, embody the type of life that she lived. The first one is just kind of what made her famous in the first place, which was um, she was from Eastern Europe. She could have gone any directions. She could have gone any number of directions with her life. Instead, she chose to become a nun, to give up every earthly possession she had, And she didn't just become a nun where she was in Europe. She decided to move to the poorest, most overlooked place in the world, which she saw as Calcutta, which is a city in India. So she uh, became a nun in Calcutta. She began an orphanage there, and that orphanage began to multiply into other ministries that they ran, uh, where they reached out to widows, and they reached out to other poor people, and she almost single-handedly began to transform Calcutta, the city in India, which had nothing, but she took the love of Jesus there and began caring for these people who had nothing. And then a story told by Shane Claiborne, who went and lived with her for one summer, is he would always talk about Mother Teresa's feet. 
because he said that whenever a shipment of shoes came, uh, like a donation box came filled with shoes to the orphanage, she would rush to the box, she would dig through it before anybody else had a chance to get to the shoes, and she would pick out for herself the worst pair of shoes she could find. And she would wear the worst shoes out of everybody because she said, nobody should have worse shoes than me. I want to have the worst shoes so nobody else has to suffer uh, in bad shoes. And because of that, she had these really deformed, twisted, nasty looking feet. And it's because she took the position of the servant, even though she was running the orphanage, even though she was the one um, who started the whole thing. She chose to take the worst shoes for herself. This is what the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus does when it gets inside of us. Is we get to go out and serve other people and love other people. And we get to be the ones who say, no, you don't get to have worse shoes than me. I'm taking the worst shoes. I only have these feet for 80 years or so. I'd rather you hear the message of Jesus and receive food, receive good shoes, receive care. And Mother Teresa, as a result, multiplied who knows, maybe a thousandfold um, the message of Jesus because of how she lived her life, how it got in deep into her and changed her from the inside out. The second person I want to tell you about is another hero of mine named Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins was a really, really big singer, musician in the 80s and 90s. And um, he started to blow up and get a lot more famous. And as a result... He got pretty wealthy. And as you know, singers and musicians that get pretty famous can make millions and millions of dollars. But Rich Mullins had this heart for people, especially Native American people. And if you don't know, Native Americans have been kind of relegated, kind of pushed outside to their own lands, to Native American reservations, where they're overlooked. They don't have good health care, good food, good education. It's just kind of a uh, a bad bad place to be. Some of the poorest people in America are the Native Americans. Rich Mullins had a really big heart for them too. And he said, I want to give my wealth to the poorest people in America. So what he did was he told his accountant, I want to make $20,000 a year. Anything above that goes to the Native American people whom I love. So he could have made millions of dollars Instead, he lived on $20,000 a year, which was the average American income at that time. And he said, I don't want to make more than the average American because I have the opportunity to give to these really, really poor people, the Native Americans. And Rich Mullins is really cool because he would go barefoot everywhere. He never owned a house. He had a trailer that he parked on Native American reservations and he hung out with them. And he kind of lived this hippie lifestyle um, but it was because he loved Jesus, and as a result of him loving Jesus, that overflowed into him loving the poorest of the poor people in America. So that's what it looks like to be somebody who hears the word of God, and that doesn't bounce off of you, but you hear it, and then you let it work inside of you, and then change your life from the inside out. It changes the way you live changes how you view other people, how you interact with them, how you give to them. And um, yeah, Mother Teresa and Rich Mullins are two people who I look up to because of how the Word of God changed their lives. So hopefully, 
going out from this, we're able to be the good type of soil that Jesus is looking for. We're able to be the type of people who aren't religious, who look down on other people and say, oh, I don't know if you're good enough. You're not following enough rules. We want to be the type of people who hear the word of God and get so excited that we can't help but share this message with other people, that that we can't hold it inside and we have to let it spill out into the rest of our lives so that we're telling everybody else around us because we just can't keep it in, so that we ourselves can be good plants who are strong ourselves. We have our prayer time with God. We read our Bibles. We know Jesus closely, and we let that spill out so that we can multiply and create more disciples who create more disciples and just bring more and more people into close relationship with Jesus. So thank you guys so much for watching. Um, This has been super fun. I'm really excited for next week where we look at a story where Jesus shows us this is the type of person I'm looking for. And remember, it's not at all who you expect it to be. It's somebody completely unexpected because that's how Jesus works. He takes the unexpected people, the weak people, the outcasts, the uncool, unpopular people, and he draws them in. And he says, hey, follow me. Hey, share this message with people. And uh, it's really cool. I'm excited for it. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Um, Very much love from America. I love you guys. miss you guys. I'll talk to you next week.